Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Bridge. So, I've spent like the last few weeks just praying on like, okay God, like what do you want me to present this time? Like we've talked about uh, Joshua praying such bold prayers like sun stand still, and I've encouraged you guys to pray bold prayers. We've talked about David and Goliath and just what it means to walk in the identity of the promise that God has put on you personally, on you personally. And uh, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to bring this time? And I had a few ideas, and I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then me and Andrew were talking it over, and he asked, well, what about this teaching? And my thought was, well, like, that's too easy. Like, that's too straightforward. And, like, it's such an easy truth, but it's so hard to actually operate in this truth that we're going to talk about tonight. And a little backstory: I grew up in a very traditional church atmosphere of... Um, Jackson talked about uh, his mom forcing him to come to church. Like, I used to pretend to be sick. I would pretend to have headaches. I would pretend to have stomach aches. I would do anything I could to get out of church because, for me, the most stressful time of the week was Sunday morning because it was getting up, hearing my parents argue about trying to gather clean clothes for me and my brother to wear. Oh, no, we don't have any clean clothes. Well, what are we going to do? What are we going to blah, blah, blah. It was so stressful, and I hated it so much. I wanted to avoid it at all cost, and just get the day over with. There was nothing peaceful about it. So I did not enjoy church growing up. And through going to church, the little bit of imagery that I got from God was this idea that once you surrender your life to God, it gets boring. That you say, okay, God, I want to do what you want. He's like, okay, well, what I want is for you to wear a three-piece suit and sit in that seat every Sunday morning and nothing else. Like, that's what I want from you. And I was like, man, I don't want to do that. Like, I like music. I like playing music. I know a lot of you guys agree with this. And I didn't really like church music. I liked heavier music. They screamed in the music that I liked. Um... I was, t- <laughs> Woo. I was told in my old church that, like, there was no such thing as Christian rock music and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I just had this imagery of just God being so boring. And I was like, why, why do I want to submit to that? And why are people telling me that I've been created in the image of a God that looks nothing like me? Like, I have all these desires. I have all of these passions, but like none of these things are okay with God apparently. And that was just the view that I had. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that it just became so clear to me. Just the simple truth. God cares about what you care about. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So the scripture is Matthew chapter 14 verses 15 through 21. I'm sure if we've been to church at any time, we've heard this story. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And I think we're going to look at it maybe a little differently tonight. So, as evening approached, 
the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So I would say it's probably easy to speculate. 10 to 12,000 people, if they brought kids with them, like way more than 5,000, is that not insane? Who's heard this passage taught on before? Cool. So we know the story. Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and that's awesome. But what we're going to look at today is, so a little more backstory. Um, I help pastor a church back home that Andrew now works for as well, and that's been a lot of fun to get to work together. But I help pastor a church back home that over the past few years, we've just been called to focus on community. Focus on community over structure. Focus on community over the building. Focus on community over what everybody thinks church looks like. And we kept trying to do this while also holding on to the structure. And then our other pastor came to me and he said, we have to sell the building. The only way that this is going to transition into communities is if we sell the building and there's no opportunity except to meet in people's houses. So the beginning of this year, we sold the building. And now we're meeting in houses. And as we step into this intentional community, I was praying on what do I start January with, with this group of people that is stepping so far out of their comfort zone that now they no longer have to go to church, but they have to open the doors to their homes. They have to invite people over for coffee. They have to actually intentionally hang out with people for, we don't have a building anymore. So yeah, so this is what God told me as I was going through this passage again, this stuff just stood out to me like it's never stood out before. And as I was going through this passage, I was like, God, what do you want me to see here? And he said, I want you to see that your ideas are important. And I was like, what does that have to do with this passage? And I kept looking and looking. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go and buy themselves some food. It wasn't Jesus's idea to feed the crowd. Jesus didn't bring it up. One of the disciples did. Earlier in the scripture, we see Jesus was healing the sick. Jesus was praying over people. Jesus was spending time with people. But Jesus never said there was going to be a meal included tonight. But it was presented to Jesus by a disciple. Hey, it's getting late. It's getting late. They have to go or they're going to start passing out on the walk home. And we can't have that. In my mind, and I think it's okay to speculate when it comes to these stories. 
in my mind, this disciple knew what it was like to be hungry. This disciple had probably went without before. And his passion, the compassion that was inside of him, reached out to feed the hungry. Because he knew what it was like to go through hunger before. And he saw these people, and even though Jesus had done all of these awesome healings and Jesus had done all this other stuff, he was like, but I know they're hungry. They've been here all day. They have to be hungry. They need to go get some food because when I get hungry, I get weak. And they're going to start passing out on the walk home. So he goes to Jesus with his human problem, this human, you know, we all need to eat, right? I know some people, this is a complete side note, I know some people that tell me stuff like, I just eat to survive, I don't enjoy it. That's not the abundant life Jesus died for. Like, enjoy your food, okay? Um, That's a different sermon, though, next time. Um, We all need to eat. They knew this. So the only logical solution is, well, there's no food here. We need to go ahead and wrap this church service up They need to go home and get some food. And Jesus was like, okay, I hear your problem. I hear what you're saying. And I agree with you, but one change. Let's do it my way. They don't need to go. You need to feed them. He didn't say he was going to feed them. He said they don't need to go. You need to feed them. This was your idea. You brought it to me. You're going to feed them. I used to work for a church where the pastor told the church over and over again, he said, if there's something in our church that we're not doing that you want us to do, feel free to come up to me and tell me what that thing is. Like if you're like, we should have a homeless ministry or we should have a prison ministry or whatever it is. He's like, I want you to feel free to come up and tell me whatever that thing is, but be careful. Whatever you tell me you want to do, you're in charge of it. I always thought that was incredible because then the people that just talk sit back down. So as I was going through a few commentaries of this passage, I just kept coming across people that delivered this story of the disciples being like, Jesus, we have to go. Jesus, we have to go. And Jesus has to begrudgingly drag this group of guys along with him saying, no, we're going to feed the crowd. We're going to feed the crowd. I don't see that anywhere in this story. I see the disciples having the same compassion that Jesus did on this crowd. They just didn't know the answer. To them, the answer was, let's send them home. And Jesus was like, no, I can do this. If you trust me, we'll do this together. This thing that you're passionate about, you want these people to eat, I want these people to eat. They don't have to go. Everything they need is right here. If you're in the presence of Jesus, Everything that you need is right in front of you. You don't have to go elsewhere looking for something. Everything that you need is right there. So the the biggest question that I want us to take from this idea, God loves your ideas. The things that you're passionate about are the same things that he put inside of you to be passionate about. God doesn't create you with a passion to play guitar and then call you to never touch a guitar. God doesn't create you with a passion to feed the hungry 
and then never ask you to feed the hungry. God doesn't call you, create you with a passion to care for orphans and then have you go work in a retirement home. Like God creates you with the passions that you have so you can walk in those passions, so you can walk in those callings. And I'm sorry if you guys have ever been a part of any sort of thing that's taken the title of Christianity and told you anything other than that. Yes, there are boundaries, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But the passions that are inside of you, God created you with those for a reason, but he wants to help you guide those. So there's an author that I really like that was speaking at a college, and he gave a speech that went something like this. I think too many of us spend too much time asking God, what do you want me to do? How many of us have prayed that prayer? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And God's like, what do you want to do today? Like, I just want to spend time with you. It's like, what do you want to do today? And so what's the thing you're passionate about? So it could be like, okay, God, let's play some music. And then God's like, yeah, I created you with that passion. Let's play some music. And you're like, sweet, I'm going to be a musician. I am going to be so rich and famous. And God's like, okay, let's restart that. You know, that passion that I gave you, it was not just for you. It was to show the world of my goodness and show the world of my love. If you surrender that plan to me, it may not look like success the way that you think success looks like, but I'm going to do something with that passion that you've never imagined. I'm going to do something with that passion that you've never even thought of if you surrender your idea of success, if you surrender what it looks like to be a musician that made it, to just being content with being in the presence of God and walking in obedience with God. Your idea is important. And if you're anything like me with the upbringing that I had, you want so badly to argue with this theology. You want so badly to argue with the fact that God cares about the passions that he put in us. Don't. Don't argue with that. Press in, spend time in prayer, spend time praying, God, how do you want me to use these things that you have made me excited about to glorify you? Because he'll take those things and it'll go beyond your wildest dreams. The second question I have for you guys is what do you have? Verses 17 and 18 says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Jesus just said, bring them here to me. Jesus never once said, that's just one person's lunch. Uh, there's not much that we can do with that. Um, I presented the idea the other day when I was talking about this, that at that time, if they were good disciples, probably what they would have done is presented that to Jesus and said, here, this is enough for you to eat. We want you to be okay because you're our master. Here's enough for you to eat. Let's tell these people to go on home. And then we'll go pick something up on the way home, you know, go through the drive-thru or whatever they did back then. But that's not what they did. They knew who they were with. And up until this point, they hadn't seen Jesus do many miracles. Like, this was still a very new concept to them. They hadn't seen Jesus do many miracles, but they believed enough to say, this, this is all we have. And Jesus said, okay, cool. Bring that here to me. What they had was a small portion that was just meant 
for one person, another complete side note. Do you guys ever pack your lunch for anything that doesn't have a scheduled lunch? If this was me, this food would have been gone way earlier in the day. There's no way this would have made it until the end of the day. If I would have brought food with me to an all-day event, it would have gotten eaten at 10 in the morning. So the fact that this food was even still available, that in of itself is a miracle. So (laughs) Jesus did not broadcast this to the entire crowd. He didn't stand up and say, hey, guys, we're trying to feed all of you. If there's anything edible in this crowd, can you please bring it to the front? Jesus didn't do that. So the disciples remained calm as well. They're like, okay, he's Jesus. Like, we trust him. We know that what he wants to do is good. So they went out and they got what they could, which was five loaves and two fish. What do you have? What are your passions? God, I want so badly to honor you with playing my guitar, but I'm just not as good of a guitar player as I want to be yet. God, I want so badly to argue, or to argue, whoa. I want so badly to praise you. Why am I arguing? I want so badly to praise you, but I'm not a good singer. God, I want so badly to be able to feed the homeless, but I can barely buy my own dinner. Like, what do you have? Jesus isn't telling you to wait until you have more. Jesus is asking for what you have. Andrew sang about putting everything we are on the altar. That's what that looks like. Everything that you have just laid down on the altar before God and you saying, I know this isn't much. In human standards, this may not add up to anything at all, but I have seen what you can do with so much less. I have seen what you can do with simple obedience. What do you have? What are the things that you're trying to hold on to and multiply by your own strength other than just giving the little bit that you have to God and saying, you can multiply this so much faster than I can. You can multiply this so much faster than I can. I want to share a few stories from my own personal experiences in this area and just to show how good God is. Some of you may have heard this story before, and if you've heard me speak before, I have a stutter sometimes. Sometimes it's a lot worse, sometimes it's not bad at all, but I have a stutter. Growing up, I was terrified to order my own food. I was terrified to speak to anyone that was not my brother or my two closest friends. I was absolutely terrified of interacting with people. I was homeschooled, so I didn't have to go to school, didn't have to interact with people. I got very comfortable just being at home and just my same schedule. I just did not enjoy people because I was terrified to speak to them because I knew as soon as I started, I was going to look stupid. And I hated it so much. But I really liked music. And then I decided I liked to play in a band. And I was like, that probably means I have to interact with people. So I still didn't, but, you know, I tried. Um, But as time went on, I got a little more comfortable giving um, 
Jackson will know exactly what I'm talking about here. I got very comfortable at giving that Christian speech that you give at a hardcore show, you know. Hey, guys, we're a Christian band. We're here for Jesus. If you would like us to pray with you after the show, we'd be glad to. But the trick is we're not going to be anywhere around after the show. You're not going to be able to find us. Um, so that was the speech, and I got very comfortable giving that speech and then hiding from people so I didn't have to do anything. And as time went on, God gave me a real passion for teaching, a real passion for, like, what I'm doing right now. But in my mind, that translated to, okay, God, so you want me to, like, write blogs and stuff because you're giving me these teachings, but I'm never going to say those out loud. So if you want me to, like, type up things on the Internet, I'd be glad to do that. And he was like, no, I want you to actually start sharing these things at your concerts to the hardcore crowd that comes. And I was like, I don't think they'll like that. Um, and I know they won't enjoy me stuttering my way through it. But I was like, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. So I start basically preaching at the concerts. And it was going good. Me and God had this contract that only I knew about. God didn't know anything about. Um, it was, if I'm doing what you ask me to do, and I'm standing up in front of people speaking, then I'm not going to stutter. Because you wouldn't let me do that. You wouldn't ask me to do something to watch me look stupid. So every night I would get up and I would talk in front of people and it went really well. And I was kind of doing like I'm doing right now and just on a tangent and didn't stutter at all. And then we play one of the biggest shows that we've ever played. There was a lot of people there. And I felt God give me a new word that night, and I was so excited about it. I was like, this is cool. It was a show on New Year's Eve, and I was like, cool, I'm going to, like, speak into these kids' lives as they start a new year. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be really powerful. I couldn't get out a single word. As soon as I started trying to teach, I stuttered over every single word, and I stood up there for five minutes and maybe got out just a few sentences until our drummer finally stood up and took over for me, which I gave him permission to do. He didn't do it rudely. He stood up and took over for me, and he said what I was going to say. Still went awesome, and we had two more songs to do. Did those two songs. I went straight to the green room area. This is one of the only shows we ever played that had a green room. I went straight to that area, and I was like, I'm going to stay in here till everyone in this crowd is gone, and I hope I never see any of them again. Ten minutes later, someone's knocking on the door. Uh, Josh, can you come out here? There's a girl at your merch table that wants to talk to you. I said, there are three other guys in my band. Uh, they would be glad to talk to her. I don't need to come out. And it's like, no, she asked for you specifically. I go out there, and there's this girl that's like this tall, and she doesn't even look at me. She just hands me a tablet. And I look at the tablet, and it said, how do you have the courage to get up there and try to speak? Because I could never do that. That girl met Jesus that night because of my stutter. That was one of the most humbling experiences for me. God said, yeah, you know that thing that you were mad about? If you just surrender that to me, I'm going to show you what I can do with it. That thing that you got so irritated about, how about you just trust that I have a plan and it's better than whatever thing you thought was supposed to happen. So since that night, I've just told God, yeah, if I get up and I preach and it goes clear and I don't stutter at all, praise God. If I get up and I can't speak, I can't get a single word out, 
praise God. As we talked about earlier, his goodness does not depend on our circumstances. God is good and he has good plans. And when we surrender what little bit we have to him, he turns it into more than enough to do the thing that we're called to do. He didn't ask me to stop doing the thing that I'm passionate about. He actually increased my confidence to continue doing the thing that I'm passionate about. Now I still get to go out and play concerts. I still get to go out and do all of that stuff that I'm passionate about. But I also get to stand here and just be with you guys without having to hide behind the music. I get to stand here and just share with you guys without having to try to cram it all into a six-minute speech that... I'm just doing as a habit. God gave me the confidence through me surrendering the stutter to actually share the teachings that he puts on my heart all because of surrender. And he had to just humble me quite a lot and tell me to stop throwing a pity party. Um, I feel like I get this from God a lot. Like, were you paying attention? Like, so... That's just a small story, and what humbles me even more is I'm sure I could stand up here and tell you so many more stories if I would have paid attention more, if I would have humbled myself more, if I would have surrendered more. I'm sure there would be way more stories than I currently have, and my goal going forward is constant surrender, just no more doubting that what I have isn't good enough to bring before him because he's not asking for it to be good enough. He's just asking for it to be surrendered. He's not asking for us to wait until we think we're good enough to do what we're called to do. He's not calling you to do something that you're not qualified to do. You just have to take that first step and then you see the second step and then you take the second step and then you see the third step. He's just calling you for constant surrender and obedience. The last thing, but the most important thing that I'm taking from this story is, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. The only way that this works is if you take what you have and you let Jesus bless it. Without that blessing, we have nothing. Without that blessing, they had enough for one person to eat. Without that blessing... They would have had people fighting over that food, most likely. That's what happens in my mind, anyway. The story would have been way different if the disciple tried to do this on his own strength. He would have been picking and choosing. I just see if that was me and I found that plate of food in this crowd, I would probably be searching out for, like, the most elderly person, like... Okay, who's going to be, like, so weak on their walk home? Like, who needs this protein? Like, who needs this energy? Who needs this? Because we only have enough for one person, so I'm going to find the person that needs it the most. That would have been a human conclusion. 
but they brought it to Jesus and let Jesus bless it. And Jesus is like, see, that thing that you're passionate about, feeding the hungry, we're going to feed all of them just because you surrendered this idea to me and then you surrendered what you have to me. The coolest thing in this story that I think has never stood out to me before is when Jesus blessed the food and when Jesus broke the bread, what did he do with it? He gave it back to the disciples. Jesus didn't get up and start passing it out himself. Jesus said, this is your idea. Like, this is something that you're passionate about. You're going to do this. You can't do it without me, but you're going to do this. You presented this idea to me. I blessed it. I gave you my permission. I gave you everything that you need to walk in your calling. You're doing this. Jackson, if you want to join me back up here. Um, just one, uh, for any of you guys who have been here before while I've been here, I would love to pray with you guys. And I know I can say that for Andrew as well. Like, we would absolutely love to pray for you guys. So, like, when this is over, like, don't, don't feel the need to come over there and, like, you know, buy shirts or anything. Like, that's cool. That's whatever. But, like, we're just going to use that area over there as, like, if you want prayer, like, we would love to pray with you guys. And if any of this, like, hit home with you, if you want to, like, know what you're passionate about, if you want to be able to surrender that thing to God, like, whatever you want prayer for, like, that's why we're here. But, like, the main thing that I want to encourage you with today is that God cares about the passions that are inside of you. God cares about those. And when you surrender those things to him, he's going to show you what it means to use those things to do what you're called to do. Cool. So let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for who you are, Father. We just thank you for how good you are. We thank you that you've created us in your image, God. We just thank you for your goodness and your love, God. We thank you that you gave us the passions and the callings that you did because you love us. And you're going to show us how to use those things for you, God. You're going to show us how to use those things for other people, God. You're going to show us what it means to truly live the way that Jesus lived and to be who we're called to be, God. And I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for everyone here. God, I pray for open hearts, open hands, open ears as we continue this discussion. Yeah, we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.